0: there are organizations out there that um, are adopting self-management um, at the level of frontline teams, right? So you might, for instance, have self-managing teams within factories, um, but that for the rest, you know, aren't ready to extend that to the whole model. For the rest, keep the pyramid, right? Um, so it's a sort of, of hybrid model. And maybe this is something that you're playing with yourself, right? Now, obviously, this is not my preferred option. You know, I... I, I'm excited about seeing the entire organization shift, but there can be very good reasons um, for why you only bring self management to teams at the front line um, and and that adds an interesting little twist right is okay so we have these teams, but somehow they're still a manager at some level some way above them right and and how does that work um, and so I want to talk a little bit about about that right the the, the the question is, how can the team develop a real form of autonomy, right? How can a team develop a real form of ownership of their work um, if they're still a manager? You know, how does the manager not take away from that autonomy, or how does the ownership in the end not lie with the manager instead of the team, right? And, and there's a number of thoughts that I want to share with you about this. Um, the first thought is, you know, what is about this question, so, so what can the team do alone without the manager? And, and what are the things that are still the prerogative of the manager above them, right? Um, and you can have explicit conversations around that. You know, at, at, at Michelin, they talk about a um, domaine reserve. So this is the reserved domain, right? Um, that, that, you know, just belongs to that manager. And all the rest can be done by by the teams, right? And the way I understand that they do that is that um, every time that a team adopts self-management, well, one of the managers, you know, is invited to spend some time alone or maybe with a coach to figure that out. So what is it that I still wanna keep a handle on? Um, and all the rest then can go to the teams. And in parallel, the teams think about the same thing. You know, what is what are all the things that we want to be able to do and what are the things that we feel still you know should belong to the manager. And then you have a meeting where the two meet and then they compare notes and you know from that comes a very fruitful conversation. Right? And that provides a level of clarity that provides some boundaries. Okay, within this, you know, we're fully autonomous, we can go ahead. And for these things, you know, we need at least the approval of the manager or that's you know might be decisions that that she or he takes. Uh, so that's, I think, a first interesting um, question to look at. A second one is, okay, but so if the manager intervenes much less, you know, what are the, you know, the meaningful, beautiful contributions that that manager can make? Right? Um, you know, another way to say it, you know, what does the manager actually do? You know, how do you keep the manager busy from interfering with the team? And here are two ideas. Um, The first one is that you can simply start by increasing the span of control. Um, That's what they've done, for instance, at at Michelin, right? You can have where you formerly you had a manager for every team, right, or a team leader. Well, now you have a manager for two teams or five teams or 10 teams. Um, Or, you know, if it's an organization like a factory that works with shifts, well, the manager is only there for one shift. So there's two shifts that operate without managers. Right? And in that way, it's just impossible for a manager to try to be in control of everything, to manage everything. So the manager needs to release control and trust the teams. Right? A second idea is that um, managers can spend a lot of time on other projects that are meaningful for the organization and its purpose. Right? They can start doing work on innovation or in business development or all sorts of things. Right? Um, just avoid giving them work on support functions, like having them work on, I don't know, HR projects or, you know, finance projects or all of these things, because that then tends to be projects that are then again imposed onto the teams. And that's not very, that's not very helpful, right? You're actually trying to free the teams from some of these sort of support function injunctions that come from outside. You know, a, a third interesting question is, you know how can the the feeling of ownership, you know, be transformed transferred from the manager to the team? Right. Previously, it's the manager who feels responsible for the team, and if the results are bad, you know, steps in. You know, how does a f- team start to feel really responsible themselves? Um, I've talked about this quite a lot in in videos about self-correction. So I I urge you to watch these videos. Um, but one of the obvious things you can do is to expose the team directly to the consequences of their action, make the team feel the pride or pain of doing good and bad work. So it means that it's, um, you know, the team is no longer shielded through the manager from the results of their work. So the question becomes, how can a team be directly in contact with their clients or the internal clients um, and not have just the manager be in contact with the client and then, you know, interfacing with the team? Right? So that's, that's, I think, an, an interesting thing. And then a fourth interesting question is, you know, how can the, the manager and the members of the team sort of grow into their new role, right? grow into uh, sort of competences and, and behaviors that they might not have had before? Right? Um, so there might be real training that you can give to former managers. You know, I used to manage a team directly. Now I'm responsible for five teams, so I have to act in a whole different way. Well, it might be meaningful for a manager to get a training around this, or and or to meet with other managers. You can orchestrate meetings where all of these former managers who are learning this actually talk about, you know, the sort of the joys and the pains of of, of you know becoming this new kind of of manager that is uh, is really just supporting teams. Um, but not a traditional autocratic manager. Um, And the same thing is true for teams, right? Suddenly they have to learn to take ownership and feel responsible for the results. And that brings up all sorts of questions and needs um, for new communication styles and uh, for holding one another accountable and for providing feedback with one another. And so there again, you you might think about the sort of training that is needed for these teams to... uh, um, to pick up these, uh, these responsibilities. So yes, you know, uh, reality out there shows that you can perfectly well have self-managing teams um, within a hierarchical organization. Um, and I hope this video has helped you think about how you can create that articulation between the self-managing team that needs to feel autonomous and responsible and a manager that is then still responsible Um, with uh, and not for that team. Perhaps you've noticed there is no paywall, no monthly membership to access this video series. That's because the videos live in the gift economy. This is how it works. I gift everything that goes into making the videos, my time, energy, and insights, and you get to choose what feels right to gift back. Please take a moment to reflect on what would feel good to give in return to help me continue doing this work. Thank you.